Welcome to the Million Praying Moms podcast. I'm your host, Brooke McLaughlin, an author, speaker, teacher, and prayer who is passionate about helping women like you make prayer their first and best response to the challenges of motherhood. A small town girl from the mountains of Appalachia, I've made prayer my game plan for all of life. Over the years, I've had the privilege of encouraging countless moms toward a richer prayer life, helping them catch a vision for the partnership God invites them into as they become praying moms. If you wonder how you'll equip your children for this world and all it throws at them, if you have questions about prayer and don't know where to turn for answers, if you need help knowing how to pray through specific issues or seasons, you are in the right place. Prayer really is the most important but most overlooked part of Christian parenting today. Let's change that starting right now and impact generations to come. Hey there, friends. I really hope you've enjoyed this special podcast season called Real Moms, Real Challenges, Real Prayer, and that you've heard your story reflected in one of those that we've shared. Maybe you've heard a piece of your story in all of them. In case you're tuning in for the first time, the stories you're hearing in this season were hosted first in a series on the Million Praying Moms Instagram called Praying Mom Live. They're meant to be really real. (laughs) I've picked six of them to share with you in this season, and this is interview number four in that series. If you like them, follow Million Praying Moms on Instagram and listen to them all. Today, we're going to talk to someone I met online several years ago. Her voice is passionately and unapologetically pro-Jesus pro-woman, and pro-gospel. I think it's that combination that attracts me, and she doesn't live that far from me. I'm in southwestern Virginia, and Michelle is my North Carolina neighbor. She's the person I go to when I'm trying to understand some aspect of how business and ministry coexist, and she just released a book she co-authored with her business partner called She Works His Way, a practical guide for doing what matters most in a get-things-done world. Honestly, this book kind of lives on my desk. Michelle Myers is the founder of She Works His Way, a discipleship community for working women who love Jesus. Doesn't that sound awesome? And after meeting at seminary in Texas, Michelle married her husband, James, while they were both getting their master's degrees in Christian education. Today, James and Michelle work together for their three businesses. They love raising their two boys, Noah and Cole, and their precious girl, Shay, in the beautiful Asheville, North Carolina. Of all her hats, the favorite ones she wears are that of wife and mom. In this episode where I'm joined by Michelle and Erin Mooring, Michelle brings the word. Not kidding. She shares about making prayer a practical part of the everyday moments of your life and the one most important thing that could be tripping you up if you find yourself unable to pray consistently. It's worth the listen to hear that one thing. Promise. Tune in now as we get real. Okay, so for those who might not know you, tell everybody watching and listening right now a little bit about who you are, what your ministry is, a little about your family. Just introduce yourself to everybody. Yeah, Naomi Halsey is here. I'm sorry, I just have to fangirl, wave to my friend. (laughs) Move back. Okay, my name is Michelle Myers, and I live in Asheville, North Carolina. My husband is a discipleship pastor at Biltmore Church. We have three kids. Uh, Brooke, you and I connected long time ago yes. uh, because over the boy mom thing. And then yeah. I don't want to say I ruined it, but I had a girl. <laughs> I know. Do you know, I, everybody, everybody says that to me, like, what are you going to do? Of course I'm 43. So, 
you know, apart from a, like an act of God, we might just be done having kids. But like everybody always said, what are you going to do if you have a girl? I'm like, well, I, I don't know. We'll deal with it. We'll be thankful and happy. So no, I get that. She has sweetened our family like uh-huh. in the absolute best way possible. But um, I definitely like I, the the boy mom stuff. Like it was oh, it was so much fun to get yes. to connect over that. So um, I am part of a ministry called She Works His Way, and it is a discipleship community for working women. And we just want to encourage and equip women to see the workplace as so much more than a place where you earn your paycheck. Um, number one, like shouldn't be the primary affection, like mm-hmm. to understand that God, God takes our hearts first. Um, and then he calls us into our family and then we have our work as a place where we can be his representative. And it's so much more of a mission field than anything else. So that's, that's our heart for She Works His Way. Yeah. I love that. I, I really connected with uh, your mission at She Works His Way early on and just love what you're doing. Before we get started, I think I just saw that Erin sent me an invitation. So let me get her on here as well. And we'll have the three of us on here to chat today too. We should have her head pop up anytime. There she is with her cute braids today. (laughs) It's going to be another hot one. So this hair cannot stay down. It will be disgusting. So I understand. (laughs) Where are you located, Erin? I'm in Nebraska. Oh, yeah, okay. we are having a full week of heat advisories, so like feels like over a hundred for the third straight day in a row. So fun times, lovely. Okay, yeah. know that about Nebraska. I yes. To- oh, we get, we get it all. We get everything. <laughs> Thought I was like, I, why do I associate Nebraska with cold weather? In in the in the winter for sure, but we okay. just we get very clear four seasons here, and the mm-hmm. hottest of the hot and the coldest of the cold. Yeah. <laughs> It's actually been really hot here, too, in Virginia this week. And um, Michelle, you're just in North Carolina, right? You're you're not mm-hmm. that far from me. I think we've had that conversation before. But your weather down there, I think, always is a few degrees warmer than our than our weather in Virginia. At least it seems that way. So, you know, anyways. Now, I, my time in Texas, I, I just like it won't let me say that anything that exists here in North Carolina is hot. Girlfriend, I totally get that. <laughs> It's, it is relative, though, because I remember when we first moved here, I made fun of, that sounds mean. I, I definitely did, though. I mocked people when it was like 89 degrees, and they're like, it's so hot. And I was like, really? <laughs> yeah, this is not Texas hot. But by the, summer, by the next summer, I was complaining right there with them. So Yeah, I know. We actually just uh, went to Charleston, South Carolina uh, at the end of July. And I really don't recommend going to Charleston, South Carolina at the end of July. Like, Mm -hmm. I just don't think, just don't do it. But we had a baseball tournament and it was, it was like, we, we, do y'all remember that song? I think it was from the nineties that it it said, the lyric said, might as well be walking on the sun. Like that's what we were going around talking. Like we're, we're literally, the people here don't wave at you because they live on the sun. Like they're, they're really, (laughs) they're fussy because they live on the sun. It's just ridiculous. But anyways, so I, I totally understand the turf where my son was playing baseball that weekend at Shipyard Park was registering. The turf was registering 116. And I don't even know like how they, I don't know how it didn't melt their their shoes. I don't know. But anyways, I feel you. And I left that, I left South Carolina saying I will never complain about the Virginia heat again because <laughs> Virginia, July and Charleston, South Carolina, July are not the same thing. Not at all. 
So I feel yeah. All right, well, let's jump in for today. I'm really excited to hear your story, Michelle. And and for those who might be joining us for the first time in this series, um, we wanted to to talk to real moms who have real challenges in their lives, whether they're juggling lots of things, whether they have children with special needs. We've had some of all of the above, lots of different challenges that our moms have had to tackle. But yet in spite of that, have somehow managed to have a real vibrant prayer life in the midst of it. And it kind of is patterned. These episodes are kind of patterned after that popular um, how it started versus how it's going that you see a lot on, on Instagram of. So we would love to just take a minute to hear your prayer story. How did it start and how is it going now? So I grew up in church. My dad is a worship pastor. And um, so I... I, I never knew church was always, I mean, it was where you went to hang out. Like I probably in a lot of my younger years, I spent more time in the church building than I did in my actual house. Um, but I just remember prayer, public prayer that I was exposed to growing up. It was always a lot of really big, fancy words mm-hmm. that I had no idea what they meant. Um, and basically it, it made me grow up as a kid thinking that like, maybe prayer would be something that I could do as an adult, Interesting, you, you know, beyond like, you know, God help me pass this test or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever, whatever that would look like, um, more of like a, a wish list prayer kind of perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in the sixth grade, a combination of things happened, My mom was diagnosed with cancer, which was scary to me in a, in a way that was very personal because the year before my best friend's mom had died of cancer. And so I had seen my friend walk through the loss of a parent and I, I kind of had like this, this burden of this is, this is bigger than me. This is bigger than doctors. And so I, I felt like God opening my heart towards prayer. And then I was also in student ministry for the first time. And my student pastor prayed differently mm-hmm. than, than I had heard before. Mm-hmm. And listening to him pray was not intimidating it didn't sound like something that I couldn't do. And honestly, it didn't sound, I mean, obviously he, he praised God, but it didn't sound different than the way that he would speak to me or the way that he right. would speak to us as students. Like it, it was a real conversation with a, a real person. Uh-huh. So it, it kind of opened up this freedom. Like I'm going to try, but of course I'm, I'm 11 and I'm, I'm trying to stay focused, which probably is hard for most 11 year olds. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I told my dad, like, I was like, I was like, dad, I was like, how do you, how do you stay focused? Like when you're, when you're praying, like, Mm -hmm. cause I know that I I can't pray out loud all the time. Anytime it comes to my mind, like I can't just speak. Mm -hmm. And so how do you, how do you stay focused? And he said, well, Michelle, you like to write. Like, why don't you write your prayers down? Now, he should have been more specific because 
the idea of where I got that I was going to write these prayers down was with a Sharpie in my closet on the wall. <laughs> oh, I love that though. Like you had your own <laughs> war room. That's fantastic. You just didn't use sticky notes. Like I put it on the actual wall. No sticky notes. Sharpie right there on the wall. And I <laughs> would, I would, the date that I start praying and something that would like spark my brain toward it. And then like when God answered it, I would circle it and I would date it again. Mm. And so I just kept, I kept adding to it and I would go in there and I literally, I took everything else out of the closet and it was just like pillows and blankets and a flashlight and like me there just kind of like shining things on and talking out loud, not afraid that anybody's going to hear me. You know, this was by the way, not a walk-in closet, folding door, small. (laughs) Um, And I shut myself in there and would talk out loud. And so I, I think through writing, writing it down and having something to look at and then speaking out loud was how I, I grew into seeing it. And like, there was, there was something about that closet. We ended up moving um, when I was a, a junior in high school. And I remember my dad, you know, you, cause you have to like paint your house neutral color yeah. before you do it. And we repainted the entire house, except for that closet. My dad was like, somebody else is going to have to paint over that. Mm-hmm. I have the heart to do it. Like I don't have the heart to do it. Yeah. Um, but that, that was really how I feel like that was like my first tiptoe in. Um, and you will see God answer prayers. Even as an 11 year old, I learned quickly. He doesn't always answer them how we want to, but I definitely think that it opened my eyes to see the way that he's moving and how he's not silent and that I didn't have to have all the big words and it didn't have to be fancy and it didn't have to be into a microphone on a Sunday at church, you mm-hmm. know, it just be in my little closet as an 11 year old. Just you and God in the closet. I love that. That's awesome. All right. So what does it look like today? Fast forward some for us and tell us how, uh, how it's changed over the years and where it is today. So I, I still am a write my prayers down kind of girl. Um, I just, I use the Valmarie paper um, journal. I think I started using it in 2017. It, I think having some, you know, I think everybody has stuff that they don't want to pray for. You know, like we forget that scripture tells us to pray for our enemies and to pray over hard stuff. And, you know, so having some accountability, not just to pray over the things that I wanted to pray about, but really having some intentionality in my prayer life. I felt like that was really a helpful tool for me as I was wanting to grow because it wasn't that I wasn't praying, but it was maybe selective prayer at that point, but it doesn't necessarily look like me writing down every single prayer all the time. Sometimes it does, but I found that praying for me is best when I am occupied doing something else. So, um, I pray, I am the crazy person that prays while driving. I don't close my eyes, but if I am, I, I can't even imagine what I look like if you drive past me on the road and I, <laughs> I'm in the car by myself, but like not alone. I'm in the car by myself, but definitely not alone. I pray a lot of times while going for a walk, mm-hmm. but just like getting, getting out and not having distractions. Um, yeah. And then just, you know, 
instead of it being like, this is my prayer time. And then I go about my day. Right. I found myself like gravitating towards, I definitely still have concentrated prayer time, but I think it's more of an ongoing conversation mm-hmm. um, of recognizing like I am never alone. And especially right now when I feel like we have been through two years where isolation has been mm-hmm. reality that we've all had to face in new ways, um, bringing, bringing prayer in and really working on that exercise of making it the first response of, you know, if you wait until you need to pray, you've waited too long. Yeah. Yeah. But, but really just going to it as a first response. I can relate with so much what you're talking about, because I also, you were talking about it as an 11 year old having a hard time concentrating, but it's still my reality. Like it's just, my brain just won't shut off. And so, um, prayer and focusing in on that, it can be a struggle, like to just like stay in this and not go off on a tangent on whatever you're praying about. And then like, oh, but I got to do this and do that. And so for me, it's writing out, it's starting with writing out Bible verses. And Mm -hmm. then my prayers kind of flow from there because I actually like, don't have to come up with what I'm writing. I'm writing God's word, but then it helps my mind, you know, pray from that. And because sometimes when I'm writing it and having to come up with what I'm saying, I get too perfectionist about it. Um, And so God showed me that if I'm writing his word, I'm more in line with what's true. And then my prayers will go that way too. I love that you and Brooke are both able to write your prayers. I just get caught up in, is that how I want to say it? And that's not what I, I know that's not what God wants for me. So there's different ways to write. Mm -hmm. Like you could be writing, you know, just a list or you could actually write your prayers or you can write scripture and then pray off of that. And then Brooke's going to be like, yeah, I know the whole walking or running while praying. I have had some of the most powerful prayer times running around my kids' schools. Mm -hmm. And I, I will get really deep in passionate prayer about something and be like, oh, that was really fast. <laughs> like it just, and it's better than sitting at home for me and having like the laundry that's right there or the, you know, the calendar that's staring in my face, getting outside of my house. And, and like you said, doing something else active, it actually kind of intensifies it for me because I'm so focused in on that. I don't have to think about anything else. I'm out there moving and praying and that's it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I really do feel like this series that we've done on partic- in particular on Wednesdays, it's been really interesting to see how people's prayer lives have grown up and mm-hmm. matured, but also how God allows us to have unique prayer lives that mm-hmm. fit our personality best and our strengths and weaknesses. You know, I'm I'm such an introvert. Like I really enjoy I just want to, I want to be quiet. You know, that's why I try to get up before my kids or, or maybe I do it right after they go to school or whatever. Like, I really enjoy that. No, no distractions. I don't even want to look at nature. I just want to be me and God, you know, Yeah. sometimes, sometimes, you know, like my husband and I took a walk last night and we were, you know, those, those are times when also times when I think I talk to the Lord freely. So it really just, um, one of the things, Michelle, that I love that you said, it just, you know, it started out 
one way, but it also like it just developed and you and I think that's the progression of our maturity in Christ as well. We often start our prayer journey in this very maybe you know, you, you kind of illustrated this. You started it out from maybe a place of desperation when your mother got the, mm-hmm. the diagnosis. Um, the first time that I really remember praying consistently was when I was about 16 years old and my grandmother got sick and my dad came to me. Um, I had already gone to bed uh, for the evening. I knew that she was sick. I knew that she was in the hospital, but I don't think I was really aware of the seriousness of, of what was going on. And we did end up losing her, um, soon after that, but, um, he came to me and, and woke me up in the middle of the night and said, I need you to pray for your grandmother. And, Mm -hmm. and I began to start praying for her. Mm -hmm. And like you, Michelle also learned that sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers the way we want him to, and that Mm -hmm. we have to be okay with that because he's God and we're not. Right. Uh, But I want to circle back just for a second to something that you said that I found really interesting and intriguing because it speaks to my journey as well. And that is when you said that your youth leader prayed Mm -hmm. differently. Mm -hmm. I would say that one of the most profound effects on my personal prayer life was listening to other people pray who were relatable and made it seem doable. And it's mm-hmm. really interesting to me that I, it, that's not just my experience. You know, I grew up in a Christian home like you did. Um, I, you know, we talked about praying for people, but we didn't pray for people a lot. Like we didn't actually practice it mm-hmm. in our family. And so my experience with, with prayer was much like yours. It was kind of a more formal experience. And And yet when God put me in the path of someone and then several people who weren't afraid to pray and made it sound like they were just talking to their father, talking to their (laughs) friend, it impacted me in a big way because it showed me what was possible, that there was something more possible to my prayer life than I had had known before. But it also gave me something to model. And I would say, Erin and I have talked about this a little bit before. I would say that over the years, the way that I pray now, my style of prayer now is probably a conglomeration of bits and pieces that I have pulled together from, you know, from, from my friend Heather in grad school and from uh, Deb, my first job outside of, uh, outside of grad school. And, uh, you know, Lola, the, the woman that really challenged me in my prayer life, cause she did it differently than anybody else I'd ever seen before. And, you know, I could go on and on and on about people who've influenced me, not just in showing me that, what was possible, but also giving me the words and helping me know how to form my prayers. And I love that you had that same experience. Um, so that's that's fantastic. And I would just say, um, you know, if if you're watching this right now and, and you find yourself in that situation where you're like, I don't really know how to pray. I want to pray. I know that I should be praying, but I don't even know what to say. Mm-hmm. Finding someone to listen to them pray um, can make all the difference in, in the world for you. And if you don't have that, you can pray and ask God to bring it and mm-hmm. put yourself in those situations where you can sit under it. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. Yeah. So, all right, as we're wrapping things up, I want to ask one more question. And that is, um, I'd love for you to share one tip for growing your prayer life that has worked for you. 
I think, you know, so much is just that mindset shift of how we define it and how we look at it. And you talked about like, and you and I having a similar story of like our first touch of prayer was desperation. And I think we're always going to have seasons of desperation for the Lord to intervene. But the problem is in the seasons when there's not desperation, then we attribute prayerlessness to a lack of discipline. And I Mm -hmm. understand that there is a point to where there is a spiritual discipline aspect of prayer. But what prayerlessness reveals more so than a lack of discipline is a lack of dependence. Yeah. And so instead of seeing it as a discipline issue of I need to be more disciplined in my prayer life, what we really need bigger picture is to truly understand how dependent we have to be on the Lord. And Mm -hmm. if we are not talking to him and if we are not coming to him, then we don't have an accurate picture of who he is. And if we don't have an picture of who he is, then we'll never have an accurate picture of who we are. That's right. And I think in just framing it in your mind of instead of just the, I, I want to be more disciplined in my prayer life. Like God, I want to be dependent on you Uh and you have your life in a posture of dependence towards the Lord. Like prayer will be a Bible that. Yeah, it absolutely will. I just said to someone the other day, until you know how much you need God, you will not pray. If you don't know that you need him, if your life circumstances have not revealed to you, and I'm not talking about needing him for salvation. Like we know that we need Jesus for salvation. I'm talking about needing him on a moment by moment, day by day basis. If you don't know that you need him, then you will not pray. You will not have a vibrant prayer life. That's just the way it is. And so I look back on those moments of desperation Um, you know, my grandmother, your mother, um, even really for me, uh, starting more in in my motherhood, the desperation that God brought me to in my own motherhood. I look back on that now and I know that God was showing me my need. Mm -hmm. He was showing me how much I needed him. And while it didn't feel good in the moment, and I prayed fervently to get out of it, (laughs) like, Lord, get me out of this, help me get, you know, I'm so grateful now as I look back that the Lord showed me how dependent I actually am on him Mm -hmm. because then I could develop then and only then I could develop this, this relationship with him that I wouldn't, I wouldn't give, you know, I I wouldn't change it for the world. I only want to grow more in it. So that is such a profound word. Thank you for that. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of Million Praying Moms. You can connect with other praying women by following us on Instagram at Million Praying Moms or by visiting our website where you'll find tools to guide you as a praying mom, like our monthly scripture-inspired prayer calendars, yours for only $5 a month when you become a patron of Million Praying Moms. If you love this podcast and want to be a part of making sure it sticks around and reaches other moms with the message that prayer is not a last resort, but the first and best response to motherhood, consider joining our Patreon family. There are options for everyone, including our $5 a month prayer calendar option, perfect for both the beginner and seasoned praying mom who wants to pray God's word for her children. Depending upon your needs, you can get access to our classes, courses, 
podcast scripts, discussion questions for each podcast, and even vote on certain aspects related to the ministry of Million Praying Moss. And I also have a free gift for you too. Download your free copy of my resource, How to Pray God's Word for Your Children, when you subscribe to the podcast. It's a step-by-step guide for how to get started praying the scriptures for yourself and your family. If you love this podcast, would you help us reach more moms with our message by leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts? We sure would appreciate it. Find all the links you need at millionprayingmoms.com. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at your heart, not your gene size. Do you know the verses yet still stress over your body? Oh, I get it. I was raised in church, but I struggled with food, eating disorders, and my body for decades. I'm Heather Creekmore, host of the Compared To You podcast, where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective. We get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most. Whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale, Compared To Who is the show for you. You'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot. If you're ready to stop comparing and start living, visit lifeaudio.com to listen and subscribe.